Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And we are back for our fifth episode. Wow. Is it really we number really five? New? Yeah, we are on the fifth episode wow. of the wow. Common Sense Podcast. How exciting. For those who don't, I know, right? For those who don't know, my name is Patrick, and I teach third through fifth <laughs> social studies, and I'm back at school. We're back up in this thing. How early do you have to go to work? Um... 8.30. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I'm Antonia. There no... Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> I teach kindergarten. Hi, <laughs> and I have to be at work awesome. at 7.30. Yes, you are in the thick of it. Um. So before we get into the good news, I have a small game. <laughs> Look at her face. You warn me about these things. <laughs> It's not really a game. It's just more of a question. So, you know, we're back into the swing of things. We're back at school. And, you you know, when you're walking into school, when you're driving in school, like, that is a process. Like, you're getting yourself emotionally ready to take on the craziness that is being a teacher in 2018. So, my question for you is, what is on your playlist when you're driving to school oh that's funny for the last how two, for the last two days it was tiana taylor's never would have made it um wow and i just played it on repeat till i got to school and i was, <laughs> and I, I was too lazy to do um to like press the repeat button and so i would have to press restart or whatever or like go back before it got to the next song on the album which is like a hot mess um yeah that that song never would have made it um sometimes i go back and forth between like apple's new hip-hop playlist and apple's gospel playlist which is actually really good it just depends on how i'm feeling and around october i start listening to boosie all right. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are like, who is that? Who is that? I love it. What, I love what it. about you? So I have really been enjoying um, OT Genesis lately. Um, his song, Everybody Mad, which, you know, which is what Beyonce um, danced to at the Coachella performance and On the Run 2. But he, it's an actual full-length song, and it's incredible. I didn't know that. I've also enjoyed his song, Cut It, which is incredible as well. I like Tiana Taylor's um, Rose in Harlem. Or is, it, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, that, that one's called? nice. Yeah, so that one's really nice. Excellent production on that. Um, and when I'm really trying to get myself pumped up, and I know it might be a little bit of a rough day, then I'll throw on, like, some Karen Clark Sheard or some Clark Sisters or early Kirk Franklin or something like that to get me in the spirit. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's 
stomping on my way. Yeah, because you know what? To get us into the building, we have to get ourselves emotionally ready, and music is a huge part of that. Okay. Um, let's check in on our no spend school year. So you know we are trying to spend no money no. on our kids this year, and I am five days into the school year. No kids yet. But we're setting up our classrooms, and you are seven days into the school year with kids? Yes, seven And how much money have you spent on your kids this year? Zero dollars. Wow. Yeah. Still haven't spent anything. It feels good, though. It feels really good. Um, When we were – before kids showed up, there was a shortage of tape in the school. Like, the office did not have tape because the shipment hadn't come in. And – the things I needed to tape, I just didn't tape up until someone offered tape. Like I went around asking like who has tape and obviously like I freely share what I have if I have something that someone needs and I got two little rolls of tape. So I have tape now, um, but I was worried for a second there because I had things to tape up and I wasn't going to go buy tape because if you want things on the wall, you should give me the tape. <laughs> um, tape I would now. like to... <laughs> I'm glad you still at zero dollars. Um, I like to sadly announce that I am at forty dollars. What Yikes. did you buy? I know. So I bought three clocks, um, a pack of AA batteries, and um, like five or six packs of command strips. <laughs> So when she says okay like that, that means she's really disappointed in me, guys. <laughs> That's the same okay that she gave me an hour ago when I told her I was at school. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of how if, like, maybe you'd been patient, you wouldn't have had to spend $40. Yeah, maybe. But I just, so I just wanted to. You just want to have it? I just wanted to finish my room. Which gets me into my good news. So I'll just go. So my good news for the week is I'm back at school. Boom. Fourth year of teaching. Let's get it. Turn up in these streets. And it has been an incredible start. Um, We have a new principal this year. And I told you I don't really believe in the role of principal. But maybe she's making me a believer. Um, (laughs) Practically because she is acting more as a dean of faculty than she is like what I have traditionally seen as a principal. Um, she is delegating. She is looking to us for our leadership. She is, you know, treating us as professionals and the people in the building who have something to offer our boys. Um, she has a strong vision and a strong plan, but she also acknowledges that we do as well. And we spent a lot of time this first week really fleshing out who we want, oh, I almost had the name of my school, but I'm not. Um, like who, what are the ideal qualities of, you know, a student who promotes out of our school after fifth grade? Um, we've talked about what teamwork looks like, um, what communication has looked like. We've had one-on-one meetings and discussed goals. We've discussed the evaluation process, which includes self-evaluation. Oh, Wow. Okay, so, right. I was like, are you kidding me? 
So she evaluates us in November. We evaluate ourselves in January. And then she evaluates us again in um, uh, at the end of the year in May. Um, but when it comes to evaluations for me, it's just like if you and I, as a teacher and a principal, have such a strong relationship, and if you're coming in my classroom regularly where it's like not a big deal, then observations and evaluations like aren't a big deal to me. Like, yeah, like let's just yeah. come and like, and like, let's just do it. So it's, it's been a really great start. And my classroom is officially finished, set up. I, it is not overly stimulating anymore. <laughs> um and I'm just going to wait until my kids come and my kids are going to fill up whatever space needs to be filled. Um, I'm not going to do one of those cheesy ass classroom reveals. Um, you'll just see it throughout the year because I'm not going to really be Instagramming my year in the moment anymore. I'll do like, you know, more things, uh, you know, as they come, but not really like an everyday thing anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 2018, 2019 is in full effect. So what's your good news this week? Um, I made it through the first full week, which was extremely tiring because we started on a Thursday. So it was just Thursday, Friday. So this was our first full week with the kids. Um, and I've already adjusted our schedule based on a conversation I had with my kids um, because they were literally starting to fall asleep after specials, which did not happen with my kindergartners last year. Then so baby's tired. They are. <laughs> they are. I would be reading a story and like normally they're so like when we come back, they're so like energetic and then we we calm down, we do some yoga and it wasn't an issue last year. Like it would help them refocus. But the the kids I have this year, after we do yoga and like we chit chat a little bit, they like they start falling asleep. And I was just like, okay, maybe we need to like regroup. And I said, do we? It was Friday. I was like, do we need to um have a quiet moment for a few minutes and play some jazz? And they were like, yes. <laughs> like you could just hear Aww. the stress. And so they went and rested for a little bit. And then we came back and had a great afternoon. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to act on that if I wasn't aware of like child development and wasn't in tune with the behaviors that kids present when they are tired. So I'm glad I was able to do that. Um I won tickets to a book festival, an actual book festival in Austin. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. And I'm finally finding um, finding the joy again in the planning process. Like I've always enjoyed it. But now, I guess because of how much I interacted with other like-minded educators over the summer and how much reading I did this summer, like I'm excited to sit down and like flesh things out and like, what will this look like in my classroom? How many steps will this take? Like how long will it take us? Um, so I was very excited to do that this week. So yeah, that's my good news. Awesome. Well, we are really in the swing of things. And let me just say this. <sighs> Deep sigh. You know what? I thought that, you know, some educators and education in the education system got on my nerves during the summer. Oh, Lord. But God damn it, the school year has started and y'all have really come through. Come through with the BS. Early. Early. 
<laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. So here we go. Uh, a young 11-year-old child who is going to school in Louisiana. Clothes pressed. Edges snatched. Wait, not snatched. Not snatched. No. Oh, wait. Uh, damn it. I'm messing up. Laid. There you go. <laughs> edges laid. And my edges were snatched because her edges were laid. Young lady could not even start school because her school said that her natural hair, oh, I'm sorry, her school said that her hair was breaking the school policy. The school policy only allowed natural hair. And because she had hair that is hers, but had, you know, but has extension pieces Mm -hmm. that she is not allowed to start school. But, oh, not just her. More than one? A young brother, two young brothers. One with dreadlocks, has a nice uniform on, nice tie, nice pressed blue shirt. Could not start school because his dreadlocks went past his ears. Not to mention another young brother, young Garrick, eight years old in Jacksonville, Florida, expelled from school because his hair was too distracting. Expelled? Expelled. So, I mean, wow, this is not going to be a long segment because it's not much to discuss to me. Yeah, we have to get out of the way (laughs) of children's education. There are so many policies, small policies that we create that are inherently racist, sexist, all the ist, that ultimately create barriers <laughs> to learning. To learning. To learning to our children's education, ultimately to our children's freedom. Those rules about like hair length, Always, I, I remember telling, mentioning that to you this summer when I was looking at um, one district's dress code and immediately thinking of little children with locks because young children, also, most times from my experience, it is, it's their choice to lock their hair. Like most parents will not force a child to lock their hair. Um, but some parents do choose that for their children. And the fact that they are, are pushed out of school based on how they choose to wear their hair is, I mean, like, what's the point, right? Like, you're you're choosing one way to say you don't want these children here because maybe it's a reach, but, you know, white people, when they put locks in, I, I don't see them in the news being kicked out of school, expelled, suspended, when their hair goes much, like, it goes past their shoulders, and a lot of times it's dirty. Um, so like why like the double standard like why doesn't it apply to them when we're police you know it's frustrating or the um what do they do it's 
goodness, the hair, the, the jail, the mohawk. Nothing happens then. One. Like we just is- we need to start our own schools. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> at the, <laughs> I wasn't ready. Oh my god! Wait, you weren't ready for what? What did I say? For you for you. Okay, here's the thing, though, guys. <clears throat> Hair is a is a is a form of self expression, yes. right? Same thing with same thing with the with the with the way our children decide to dress for school the way that 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 they remix uniforms and things like that like children have a right to express themselves in ways that make them feel comfortable when they're inside of a school building that they may or may not already you know feel comfortable or not um i mean freedom of speech i don't know like like you've clearly sent a very strong message that you do not belong here. We don't want you here, and and what like it just does not make any sense. Any sense? So it brings this up this point of like, and I I I saw many. I see this phrase thrown around a lot. This whole school to prison pipeline thing, and to me, there's no point in pushing students down. A, pi- a pipeline when your school is already a prison. The fact that students are not allowed to show up and enter your premises because of how they choose to wear their hair. I don't know if you've read the research, but maybe I've missed it, but I'm not sure where, you know, Harvard has released the reports that how a child wears their head, I'm sorry, wears their hair, what effect that has on their learning or scores. Did you see that? Did you see that research? I I may, I think I missed that one too. I might have missed that one. Now, I will say, if I could deal with, you know, our young ladies <laughs> in first grade who... <laughs> Have two hundred and fifty beads <laughs> clanking down the hallway. <laughs> Who have two hundred and fifty beads clanking down the hallway? I'm pretty sure y'all can deal with silent. You know, what I'm saying? some locks that don't make any sound. Some locks or some hair extensions in a young lady's hair. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, what's so threatening about black children that you feel the need to police that too? Absolutely. Are they hiding and that's things exactly in their hair what it boils down to. The locks, you know? I don't know. I think it's really important for anybody listening to this podcast, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a student or a parent or whoever. Like, you really should go and investigate your school policies or your work policies even. And I would just look (laughs) and ensure that those policies are equitable to all of the students who are attending or to yourself if you are going to work. Like, are your policies racist or are they not? 
Um, even I think in the military, they just recently passed, you know, that law that women can wear dreads, I think. Locks, yeah. Yeah. Very and that <laughs> like really? Um I have to go back and look at my own policies, but I don't think there's anything besides the whole uniform piece um, that could be a thing. I think if, like, so these policies have been in place for, for many districts and schools for a very long time, right? And are, I guess, would be representative of the time when they were initially set in stone. But if someone were to bring it up now and like, okay, what is the intent behind this? What is the purpose of this? Who are you trying to help or serve with this policy? People would start to see at least those in in power, the ones deciding these policies. Like, how do you even justify these at this point? Like, what what could you tell me to justify why a child's hair needs to be shoulder length? Racist. Racism. Racism. So I encourage you, if you're a parent, right, to take a look at those policies and maybe ask those questions. And we'd love to hear if you get any feedback. We're always talking about being student-centered. <laughs> but not when it comes to their own self-expression. <laughs> At all. We, got, we have to get out of this thing where we're trying to police students' bodies. That is the weirdest concept to me. Like, we are attempting... <laughs> like to tell students that you cannot have control over your own body. You cannot have control over like how you choose to move about in the world. And if they can't do that in schools, then how do we expect for them to internalize that when they get ready to go out into the real world? I mean, this is just as bad as put a bubble in your mouth. I mean, to me. Oh, man, bubbles. <laughs> oh, we got stories about you bubbles. Know, right? Like, it's like, why do we want to... Why do we want to hurt children? I don't know. And police their bodies. Like, walk... Can, with, I, like, can I say something about the bubbles? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do so people like, know what that is? So, in case you don't know what a bubble is, a, a common phrase is catch a bubble in elementaries. And essentially, you are, like, blowing a bubble but you have like bubbles in your mouth like so the kids cheeks are essentially puffed out and it's supposed to be a way to get them to stay quiet and like looking at the kids you can tell it hurts and so (laughs) I remember um maybe like the second or third day someone told my kids to to get bubble like catch a bubble and they all caught their bubble but when we came back in the room and like we were ready to head in the hallway and Remember, I've mentioned that we may not always be the quietest in the hallway. Um, I've told them, I was like, you know, I know it hurts when they tell you to get a bubble, doesn't it? And they were like, yeah. Um, And so, like, we had a conversation about why we need to stay quiet in the hallway or, like, why we need to whisper because they know that the bubbles hurt and I'm aware that the bubbles hurt. So why would I ever impose that on a child? And five-year-olds have this innate desire to do what is right to please the adults in their life. Yes. And... It's like a manipul like it's manipulative. 
just ask them to be quiet or to use whisper voices. But completely off topic. <laughs> no, that's so on topic. I don't think that adults should be holding students accountable for things that they're not willing to do themselves. Uh, like, okay, if your principal told you, catch a bubble during staff meeting, raise your hand if you have something to share. I mean, obviously we want to raise our hands so we're not talking over people, but if an adult ever told me to catch a bubble, I would lose my mind. Oh, somebody's getting their ass whooped. Right. Like, excuse me? No. Or for those non-teachers, let's assume that, you know, you guys are just clocking in and it's a sign in the hallway that tells you to put a bubble in your mouth while you're on your way to your desk. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) That's not a normal practice. I want to know where it started. Like, who started this? (laughs) I just cannot. That sounds like a Doug Lamov. Um, you know, I wonder if it is. That sounds like a Doug Lamov um, trick, but I could be lying. Who knows? Um, there was something else with dress code. So not just hair; it extends to dress code. Um, recently, in HISD Houston ISD, they moved or shifted to all of the schools being free and reduced lunch. And okay. apparently there is some law and maybe I can, we can link it in the description or whatever. Um, there's a law in place that indicates that if a school or a, a child receives title one services, um, is a title one or free or reduced? Like there's some intricate link between the two. Um, they also should have ready access to school uniforms. Okay. And there is a lady in Houston <laughs> who is going around. She's made it her personal mission to go around to several schools and ask, like, what the policy is on uniforms and, you know, what happens if a child shows up to school without the uniform? Like, are they suspended? Are they sent home? And she's recording them and, like, uploading them online for people to see. And she okay. also uncovered that many schools in HISD um, run separate shops within the school where they sell uniforms with the school logo on them. And if you don't have the shirt with the school logo on them, you're out of dress code. But we know that becomes cost prohibitive for for lots of families. I mean, to, to buy lots a shirt, to have to buy more than one shirt that has the same logo in a variety of colors like, for children who are growing. For children who are growing, let alone if you have more than one child. It just opens up this new can of worms. So I thought that was really interesting that she was going around and asking about that. And it seemed like most um, front desk receptionists, because she could never get to the principal. Like most people were unaware that they were supposed to be providing that for children. And that they were not supposed to be requesting that children um, purchase polos with the school logo on them. Yeah. So here we go. Here's a simple solution. If you are a school and you are requiring students to wear uniforms that you cannot get at your local Mr. Allen's or your local Foreman Mills or your local Target. Okay, I know that's or your local Marshall. Oh, you didn't know those. (laughs) (laughs) Or your local Target or your local mall, you need to be providing them. Period. So 
My school requires students third through fifth grade to wear this yellow and blue tie, and we give them the ties. I mean, you have several thousand dollars for online reading programs. Oh, the priorities of them all. Right? Come on. And we're ranting here, but, you you know, I think ultimately we just want schools, teachers to allow our babies to just get in the door, get out of their way, allow them to sit in a seat and receive the education that they have a right to. A right, yeah. And we have to check these small policies. It's the little things, right? It's the little things sometimes. We get caught up in the school-to-prison pipeline that we forget it's the little things that... Shows up in sneaky ways. Shows up in sneaky ways that blows onto the fire or something like that. I really have to get my metaphors together. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, w- I was just going to go with it, but. I know, I know. You're awesome. Um, so let's get out of our students' way. Let's allow them to sit down on the first day of school. And let's take accountability for our actions when we decide that we're going to put these harmful policies in place and, you know, Let's fix them. These are things that are fixable. Like, they're not things that are so far out of reach. I don't have to call my congressman for for silly shit like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have one more thing to add. You know how last week we talked about, um, like, what rules are you going to break? Uh-oh. You don't have to be the one sending kids to the office for dress code. You don't. You don't. No, you don't. I'm not going to say who it has to be, but it doesn't have to be you. It surely does not have to be you. Because it's like, is that so important that what you have to offer them, like, is that more important? Them sitting in the office getting the right color shirt or the right color belt, is that more important than them spending time in their classroom with you and their peers learning? And here's what you won't do, Kip. You won't give students a uniform to wear because they're out of uniform with the word rental on it. Yikes. Yikes. A young man at a KIPP school came to school out of uniform. Whoever sent him to the office, the office gave him a KIPP shirt that was in uniform with the word rental written on it with a wide tip Sharpie marker. And that young man had to walk around displaying to the student body that he has on a rental shirt and is out of uniform. Like, who thought that was a good idea? Why was that necessary? I have nothing nice to say about Kip. I was dead. The parent was pissed. Like, that was before 9 a.m., wasn't it? That was before 9 a.m. I was shocked. You know, they were in the news in Houston for requiring mandatory fees from parents, even though it's supposed to be like free public school. Because they are a public school. They keep telling us that. That's what they keep saying, but, you know. Oh, Kip. I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I just, 
made up my mind that I wanted to have one kid. Aww. Let me go up to my young son's school or young daughter's school, and they have on a shirt that says rental. I'm raising hell. Yeah. Yikes, 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 yikes. I know that we want things to be equitable and we want students to all be the same and all those things, but I'm still waiting. And maybe I should do a quick search on just like, what's the research on school uniforms or school dress code policies on like student achievement? You know, they'll tell you that it helps them not focus on what their peers are wearing. And that they can focus more on school, but, you know. So just based on a quick search, it says that from a 2009 study, it's kind of outdated, um, we find that uniforms appear to have a moderately positive impact on students in middle and high school and a little impact on elementary students. Mm. Students in middle and high school grades who are required to to wear uniforms show improvements and scores on language exams between 0.2 and 0.4 standard deviations and improvements in attendance rates of zero, um, uh, 0.2 and 0.4 percentage points. It's so small. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I think that's what it really comes down to. It's the little things, folks. We really don't have to... create these policies, um, but instead we can make school the place where, you know, students want to can be, be themselves and they want to be there. Absolutely. Yikes. We'll what be the right research back. Says. <laughs> That's what the research says. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're back. For a little Q and A. You're getting better. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Positive dojo point for me. Ding. I (laughs) love some positive. (laughs) I love positive reinforcement. It's great. Um, Folks, please send your questions to commonsensepod at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website www.commonsensepod.com or you can obviously wait until I put it on my Instagram and send us your questions there. Are you ready for our first question? I'm so excited. Okay, can you and Antonia do a segment on silent hallways? I looked at my kids today during a bathroom break and was like, why am I spending so much energy telling you to be silent right now. I know this is not a question, but I really need to know your thoughts on how to address my students being silent in the hallways and my school forcing me to push this rule. Do you want me to go first or you want to go first? You can tackle that one. That's We uh, already have kind of said it, but it's good to just reiterate for folks who are still telling kids, shh, water in the hallway. So I I do see value in quiet hallways, not silent hallways, but quiet hallways. And I say that because oftentimes it's it, it can be extremely disruptive at times to have your door open if you teach with your door open and to hear 
like noise constantly, like especially if you're outside across from a restroom. Um, and the restroom I take my kids to is directly in front of classrooms. And so before we go as a class, we just have a conversation about making sure we're using whisper voices um, because there are other children learning. And so for me, I kind of go at it through like a mindfulness lens with my kids because we're learning to like respect ourselves and to respect others. And they've also commented at at least last year. I mean, it hasn't happened this year. My kids last year would comment when people were outside of our class extremely loud. And it was a great way to kind of connect and say, you know, that's why Miss Adams asked you to whisper when we're in the um, hallway waiting on everyone to use the restroom. Um, I mean, it's completely developmentally inappropriate to expect children to just be silent. That's not going to happen. And you're wasting your time and energy trying to make it happen. Um, But I do think there is some value in teaching them to whisper. Um, And Patrick probably doesn't agree with me. But I mean, I, I see some value in it. So that's what I do. My kindergartners learn to whisper as the year goes on. Um, because it's unrealistic for me to expect them to sit silently. And I mean, a bathroom break in kindergarten can take like 10 minutes at the beginning of the year. So, (laughs) I mean, five-year-olds quiet for 10 minutes, that's not happening. Girl. And I'm not lugging a box of books everywhere we go. Okay, first of all, if you're taking a box of books with your kids to the bathroom, please. So, it's not that I don't, that I disagree with you. To me, it's, it's just about being respectful. Yeah, that that's what it is for me. I don't want to tell kids to be silent just to be silent. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, I'm being silent because Mr. Harris is telling me to be silent. Not because I actually understand and respect that there are other classes that are learning. There are meetings that are happening. And I'm going to bring my voice down so that people can concentrate because I have a stake in our school culture and our school community and I understand the school rules and I've had a a hand in creating those school rules. And so therefore I'm invested in that. Mm -hmm. I also think giving kids something to talk about maybe could work. So if you, you know, find that, okay, they're just talking and they're loud and they're just like, okay, well maybe you want to give your kids something to do. So, Oh, you can, while you're waiting, if you really feel the need to talk, if you're not, you know, sitting there thinking about how you're going to, you know, like what you're going to, what cool thing you're going to do by the end of the school day, maybe you want to whisper about um, your favorite book or your favorite moment from this morning or something like that. Um, I also think that if you are that class that is being interrupted by students passing the hall or in the bathroom like i think it's powerful if a student steps outside and say y'all too loud i can't focus yeah because hearing it from a child is different from an adult stepping out right right it's like oh snap that's my that's that's so-and-so that's my neighbor (laughs) (laughs) just calm my ass down right like like it sounds better that way um and we want to just make things relational like school thrives off of relationships and everybody wants friends everybody wants to be respected at the end of the day guys we want students to thrive and change their behavior based on those relationships and be able to make those connections because that's what's going to 
help them to transition what they learn in school to the real world. Because your school rules only happen in school, yep. right? But if you teach them to do things that are more relational, then that happens at home, that happens at church, that happens um, in the mall sometimes or wherever. Like, it can relate to all those other places. So that's all for that one. Okay, here's the next one. On your clip down episode with Antonia, I enjoy hearing both of you guys' opinions and ideas about discipline. Antonia talked a lot about not using the chart in her kinder classroom, but I didn't hear too much about how you handle discipline in your fifth grade class. I teach fourth grade and my principal likes to see a structure or clear plan for discipline. How do you have class managed when it comes to behavior? Um, I know it was addressed to me, but I think <laughs> it's still um, we could still tackle this together. Well, you can start. Sure. <laughs> well, um, this is interesting because I don't have a clear cut classroom plan as it relates to behavior management. I do believe that responsive classroom is the best behavior management theory we have to date. So that's the system, quote unquote, that I use. However, at the very beginning of the year, my students and I create global classroom rules that we um, are committing to for the year. All of my behavior or consequences, which I'm assuming you mean as discipline, are logical. Okay, so if a student, you know, spills something or whatever, something like that, they clean it up. You know what I'm saying? If a student is angry and they rip down my bulletin board, they put the bulletin board back up. Okay, um, I'm very strategic in my teacher language, be because my behavior management plan is just all about um being proactive not reactive like i want to prevent behavior from happening i don't want to manage misbehaviors yeah. does that make yeah. sense <laughs> like i'm not planning for students ripping down my my bulletin boards if a student's ripping down my bulletin board that's because i didn't do something proactively to stop that um so just being very aware all of my students know that if there's a conflict in the classroom or there's a problem they have the authority to call a community meeting at any time, anywhere. We will stop whatever it is that we're doing, and we will address what, whatever problem that we have. Um, any consequences or next steps are decided as a class um, so that it, te- it takes the pressure off of me to do all the you know, disciplining or the consequence giving or, or whatever. Um, I'm very particular about the way I speak to my students. So I'm not telling them what to do. I'm asking what it is that, that they should be doing. So not, we walking down the hallway. It's like, oh, like, how should we be walking down the hallway? Like, so putting it back in, in their hands. But I, I don't have any elaborate plan for behavior management besides treating students like human beings and maintaining relationships with them throughout the course of the year. In one of Lisa Del Pitt's books, she talks about how like we use the language of middle-class white families in schools um, yeah. and asking children what they should be doing 
when you haven't explicitly taught the behavior yikes leads to children doing whatever they want to um and so the example in her book i i believe it was some a child was using the scissors incorrectly and the teacher was like well what should you be doing with the scissors and you hadn't taught him what to do with the scissors so he was using them as he deemed necessary and then children are penalized and punished for using materials and making choices that they think is a proper response to your rhetorical question. Um, and have, oh, go ahead. Uh, we just have to stop this whole, you know better or you should know better, like, mindset. Don't assume anything. <laughs> and, like, she talks about how, especially with Black children, um, the question of, what should you be doing isn't one that we are often posed with at home. And so coming into schools, which we know mirror middle white mirror, mirror middle class white values, um, and maybe hearing questions or expectations posed as questions for the first time can be very confusing for children when you haven't set what that expectation is or that proper and desired behavior. Um yes. So yeah. We are not playing guess who. No, we are not. Guess who? Opinion. No guessing. No guessing. <laughs> no guessing. Um, do you think it's too early to discuss career development in elementary school? No. Only because I so in kindergarten it comes up a lot. Um, and maybe what I think of as career development in kindergarten is not what this the question is kind of geared towards. Um, but we talk about things that they may want to do and problems they may want to solve because a lot of them come in like on meet the teacher night. I had one little one come in and she said, are we going to paint in kindergarten? And I said, yeah, we're going to do lots of painting. And she goes, great, because I plan to be an artist and a singer. And I think if those conversations are already happening, like go for it, right? Expose them to different types of things. I mean, expose them to anything anyway. Um, But when I read books or like we're doing new lessons, sometimes I say, you know, this person is X, Y, Z. And, you know, they decided that this was something they wanted to do. And maybe you want to do this later on in your life and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, the pressure for a child to decide like what course their life wants to take. No, I'm against that. But I'm not. (laughs) You are a doctor. You are a lawyer. No. Um, but I'm not opposed to introducing the idea of these things, the idea of adult jobs and roles, because I mean, they are surrounded by adults who do these things. So. And if they're not, then this is a really great opportunity to, you know, show them different types of career paths. Um, some that took the college route, some that didn't. Um, those are who are in STEM. Those are who are doing, um, more like um more visible jobs like you know service jobs and things like that too like you know it's just a i think just like showing them and i think putting it in the mindset of like what problem you want to solve i think really is a game changer that's a game changer antonia um because it changes their whole thinking of from to me no shade job to career and that like 
you know, students are like actively solving a problem and that there are multiple ways, multiple jobs to to do that. I don't remember where I learned that from, but I, I came across that shift last year too. And it it's really interesting to see what children come up with when you're not asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And instead asking, like you said, what problem do you want to solve? Um, and I think I was intentional about saying like they're surrounded by people in these roles because we don't know who children come in contact with. And not to say that they're only surrounded by people, you know, with college, with with roles that require college degrees, but there are people in their life that do things and like highlighting that and bringing that to the forefront. And then it's also amazing how many of them don't realize that being a teacher <laughs> is a job or career or whatever. Um, like they just think you're there. So that was fun to teach in kindergarten or teach about and cover. So, yeah. Um, do you guys have any tips for this is the next question, by the way, tips for co-teaching. It's my fourth year and I've never had my own class. Oh, man. <laughs> I am. I'm not a big fan of co-teaching, honestly, but um, I had a co-teacher my first year. I co-taught with a really great teacher. Um, I mean, it. It all starts with your relationship, right? So you have to have a really strong relationship with this person and you really need strong chemistry, like chemistry so good that it's visible so that students like see you guys as a team, as like a, a, a tag team. You know what I'm saying? Where you're tagging in and out. There are many co-teaching models that you can use to create dynamic instruction. So... There is station teaching. There's team teaching where you're teaching the same lesson. Um, you know, one teacher is leading, one teacher is observing. Um, there's in a whole bunch of things that you can do. Um, but I think in order for it to be enjoyable, you have to have a relationship with that person. I'm too much of a control freak. <laughs> or like to share a classroom with someone. I do like team teaching different like lessons or units to create interdisciplinary opportunities for children. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Would you consider student teaching team te- like co-teaching? It could be if your teacher values you as such. Okay. Well, I felt like I was like, um, I did a full year of student teaching, and that's probably my only co-teaching experience because it gradually, she gradually released things to me. So at certain time, at certain points in the year, like maybe she was teaching this day, and the next day I was teaching, or she was teaching morning, and I was teaching afternoon, or we were co-teaching a lesson, and then we'd separate and do groups. Um, I enjoyed it because it gave me the freedom to try things with the assistance and guidance of a teacher with more experience. Um, But like you now in my own classroom, I love the control of what's happening in my room and what my kids do with me. Um, And I, I invite people in all the time, but I find myself when other people are in, I find myself like on edge because children react differently to different people. Um, and they may not always show 
like the same interaction or I don't know. They just act differently when other people are in the room. Um, and so I don't particularly enjoy that. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think it's important to have a relationship with the co-teacher because, I mean, you're spending all this time with them. And the children would certainly pick up on the tension if there is any. I enjoy having my own room. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. So the last thing I'll say about co-teaching is remain professional. And if you don't want to be in a co-teaching model, <laughs> take your ass to another school. There are many schools out here where they don't have co-teaching um, and you get a chance to have your own classroom. Um, so you get to a school that is going to be that is going to pull the best teaching out of you. That's really important. Okay, last question. I, th- I thought this one was interesting. It's a voice we really don't hear from too often. I am a classroom librarian. No, sorry, not classroom. School librarian. <laughs> Do you collaborate with your librarians when planning? I'm never included. Maybe she didn't say it like that. But. That's how you read it, though. That's how I read it. She's pissed. So my librarian is great. She helps with something called double IM research. Um, because in kindergarten, we have like a, it's a little over nine weeks of research that we do towards the end of the year. And she can First of all, sorry. Sorry. You have a librarian. That is important to note. Yes. Yeah. You have a librarian. God is good. Amen. Um, my first year, I did not. She was just an aide who showed sight word song videos. Um, so I'm very thankful to have a librarian. Um, she comes in and she shows me and the kid, like it's it's actually a co-teaching thing, um, how to use double IM research. And she goes through and she uses books and online books to pull text features. And she teaches the kids how to organize information. Um, and then we even last year, we taught about plagiarism in kindergarten because they would, oh, wow. <laughs> they were getting them babies yeah. for those stupid online modules and graduates. Oh. <laughs> they, they were getting the books and they were just copying what was in the book. And obviously we want children to like think, uh, yeah, paraphrase. And so we were kind of teaching that to them and they enjoyed it because they really bought into the idea of like being a researcher and she kind of touched on how like in upper elementary they'll start to use references and I don't know it was a really great experience and I know she has more that she can offer but it's difficult to to schedule that time for her to come in on a consistent basis so I do have the privilege of having my librarian come in um she also sends out a weekly email and asks us like what we're covering so that she can pull books for us um when we do our read aloud in the library, she tries to have one that correlates to what we're learning that week to make the connection go even far um, further. So, yes, it is amazing having an, um, a librarian this year. What about you? So I didn't have a librarian or a library my first year. So, yeah, my second year we had a librarian, but she was only here like two days a week. And they went there and she taught them things, but it, 
um, and she tried to like give me drop off crates of books depending on what we what we were learning, but it really wasn't a true partnership. Um, my librarian that I have at my current school, she's just a retired teacher, um, and there are like three or four retired teachers who make up our librarian team, and they're just volunteers. Aww. Yeah, they're great and they're super knowledgeable. Um, and I literally sat down with my librarian with my social studies curriculum that I created for my school, which is incredible. Um, yes, yes, yes. Not put it on TPT. <laughs> and it certainly ain't worth no five ninety nine, honey. Okay. Um, and I sat down with my librarian she literally was like, oh, did you think about this? Like we have books for this unit and this unit, and I would love to do this or that. And library is going to be a special this year for us so they're actually going to spend time in the library um with the librarian and 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 so to this person who asked a question like i would literally not be afraid to go to your teachers and ask them like what are you studying how can i be helpful to you and like you know some like let them know like we look over the importance of your role as a librarian like you are the gatekeeper of knowledge honey go forth and prosper Go forth and prosper. Thank you so much. If you have any questions, please send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or go to our website, commonsensepod.com, or you can (laughs) certainly slide in my DMs (laughs) or yours. Or no, I don't, I didn't want to speak for you. Uh, I mean, I guess it's okay. You can slide in my DMs (laughs) at Miss. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? I know. Wow! I totally put you on the spot. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's wrap this up. Do we have a quote this week? Yes, we do. It was um something I saw on Instagram, and it's from a book, I believe. Um, so it says, "As teachers, we need to stop waiting for someone to create the perfect lesson plan or curriculum." that we can take word for word. We need to read journal articles and professional books, network with colleagues, and read our own independent reading in order to create lessons for our kids. And that's from Sarah Mulhern Gross, Gross, maybe? thought that was great. Okay. That is great. There's no one curriculum, no one theory, no one practice that's going to solve or that's going to truly educate all of our children. It might educate some, a few, but we have to do our own work. We have to do our own work. And parents and non-teachers, like, y'all are included in that. Like, we want your experiences and your thoughts about education and your involvement to be included in our practice and in our lesson plans. And so... um I cannot take what I did last year and just continue to do it again and again and again and again and again. Like I can't continue to read the same books again and again. Like I'm terrified to read one crazy summer again this year. Cause I'm like, what if they don't like it? But um, like, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, like we got to do our own work folks. We got to do our own work. Is that it? Any? I don't have any last comments. Oh, well, I do. Any I do. 
Um, and it kind of piggybacks to how you said, like, things change from year to year. Um, so last year, my class had lots of um, children who celebrated Eid after Ramadan. And this year, I do not have any that celebrated. Um, and so this year, I'm lucky or privileged enough, I get to learn about Diwali alongside my parents. I just sent out an email asking um, who would be willing to look over the books I have and look over activities I have and to help me like co-plan this 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 day for their children um, because I realize I'm not the expert in it. And I would not have known that had I not done the family survey at the beginning of the year. So things do change from year to year and you need to be mindful of that and and um, include that, incorporate that in your classroom and then the lessons that you teach. And on that note, we will wrap up the show. Do we have any announcements this week? I don't think so. Unless you have something. No, you have something. Do I? Yeah, your giveaway girl. Oh, ha. So funny. Um, I have a book Instagram account at Black Girl That Reads. If you are interested in trying to win a book before it comes out, before it's publishing day, then you can go enter the giveaway on that page. That's at Black Girl That Reads. It's House Girl by Michael Donker. It's a really interesting book. So go enter. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Look at you get doing giveaways and all the things. I'm like trying. So famous, so <laughs> famous. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Let those kids come to school. No matter what their hair looks like, no matter what uniform they 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 got, don't send those kids to the office. Don't be that person. All right. Have a good day at school <laughs> and beyond. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Bye.